Hey, I'm Pastor Paul Watson, and you're listening to the official podcast of the Downtown Vineyard Church. At DTV Church, we're followers of Jesus, and we believe that relationships are holy and that God loves everyone. We are so excited that you're a part of our online community of faith, and from wherever you're listening, I hope you are blessed by this message this week. Okay, today, last day to sign up for Christmas in July And then if you also have youth interested in the epic trip, that deadline is fast approaching. So if you're in the dark about those, make sure you scan that QR code and you can find out more. And then lastly, uh, Cammie just mentioned it really quickly, but I'm really, really excited for this event that we're doing on Thursday. I'm calling it Vine and Verse because we're going to be in the vineyard And we're going to be having a worship night. So I'm really excited. We're going to be at Carlson Vineyard. And, you know, like, I don't know about you, but worship does different things for me at different seasons in my life. And right now, what God has really been speaking to me about worship is it's a reset for me. I come in on a Sunday morning, and I am just drained from the week. Who else has felt that lately? Yeah. And so worship, sometimes it's just worship and sometimes it's, you know, whatever. But lately worship, God has just been moving and just being like, okay, come rest and worship with me. Come reset, leave everything out there and just be with me and rest in my presence. So I'm just encouraging you to come out, to pause your week if that's what you need and come out to Carlson Vineyard worship your face off. It's going to be a great time. There's wine available. There will be some snacks. We, I love to feed people. So any event that I do is usually some sort of drink and some sort of food, right? <laughs> All right. Thank you for giving me a second to do that and being so kind and patient with me this morning. Uh, to start today off, I wanted to start it a little bit differently. So I'm going to ask my son to come up Let's see if this is going to (laughs) work. And he's going to start our service this morning by reading our scripture. So go ahead, Mass. Hang on. I think it keeps going off. Hang on. Okay, try it. Nope. We're switching again. Okay, try that one. Just give it a second. Try it again. <laughs> okay. I, I come from you. I, I can speak loud now. You can speak loud? Very loud. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Is it on? Yeah. Oh. Luke here, you say, today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we will stay there for a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like a morning frog. Fog. It is here a little while, and then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live it and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own plans, and such boasting is evil. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Thank you. All right. Okay, so the book of James is kind of rough. But I think when a child speaks it, we're able to hear more of God's heart. And we can get caught up in our own heads, right? James is this book that will drop you to your knees. Why? 
because it's a mirror that forces us to look at our reflections and with a humble lens and then put away our arrogant ones. So have you ever been in the bathroom, ladies? You might, you might know this. Like you're in the bathroom, you're doing your makeup, you're doing your, your hair, you got your brows. I don't do my brows, just in case you were wondering. And then you like step back and you're like, okay, all right, I'm having a good day, good hair day. I got like my makeup on point. I don't know if they say that anymore, but you know, and you're like, okay, I'm, 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 doing, I'm doing good today. And then you flip on the bathroom mirror or the bathroom light and you go, oh, why do I look like my mother? What's wrong with these eye bags? Why do I have eye bags? Has anybody ever done that before? Like, darn it, I thought I was doing good today. The book of James, I think, is kind of like flipping on that bathroom light. It forces us to consider our flaws, our imperfections, our sins, the statuses of our heart. And for some of us, it's a moment of deep conviction. Like how many of you have had such a moment during this series? I know I have. Yeah. You can't get away from James and not have a moment of conviction. And as an adult, we read James and automatically go, ugh, gut punch. But then when we read it from the view of a child, it's a little bit softer, I think. And it helps us see the true reflection of God's heart toward, towards us. He isn't standing there pointing his finger at us going, how dare you? No, usually he's up there going, Brandy's struggling again, Right? Come on, child, I have a better way. Let me have your burden. Sweet child, come on, come on. He's loving and kind and generous is our God. But James, now I believe James's mission of this book is to get us to a place that honors the Father and brings us to the place near his true heart. So closer to him, redirecting our lives, our priorities, to be more in line with the Father and less with the world. But to get there, we have to go through some deep waters, right? We have to turn on that bathroom light and respond in humility. And that's what this text is really looking at. It's shining the light on the issue of humility versus arrogance, truth, and lie. So we're going to play a little game today, and I call it truth and lie, not to be confused with truth or dare or even two truths and a lie. No, this game is a, a game that I play with myself a lot. When I find myself in a moment of just in the hamster wheel, of just believing all of the negative bad things, this is where I go. So as humans, we are prone to have a closed mindset in certain areas of our lives. We tend to get stuck in that hamster wheel when life throws us lemons. And the truth and lie game helps us discern truth, recognize our inner voices, and find the Holy Spirit. So here's the deal. Today, James is going to point out some arguments for us, okay? And for every problem that James points out, we're going to see a lie that we tell ourselves, and then we're going to go to the word to find the truth. And we have to find out what God says in order to grow, in order to live a life that honors him. So to do this, we need to set a foundation. Proverbs 29, 23 says, 
A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. And in 11.2 says, when pride comes, then comes dishonor, but with humble is wisdom. So humility and humbleness is true wisdom and honor and truth. And pride and arrogance is false wisdom, dishonor, a lie. So the foundation that we're going to use today is just that. Humility equals wisdom and truth. Arrogance equals false wisdom and lies. Okay, so I want you to keep that in the back of your minds as we go forward. So let's read this passage again really quick, and then we're going to break it down. And it says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow will go into this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make some money. Why do you not even know why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. That's pretty rough, right? So the first thing that we see that James points out is that we lack knowledge. So some of us have a 10-step plan about tomorrow, right? All written out, color-coded, different highlighters. Like example, like I'm going to wake up, I'm going to do my devotional, I'm going to go to the bathroom and take a shower, and then I'm going to get some coffee, and then, and then, and then. And then others of us are kind of a little more free-spirited and, you know, shoes off winging it. So side note, though, I want you guys to catch this. This is not a male-female thing. This is a personality thing, right? I've, I've caught a lot of guys at one point winging it, shoes off, and a lot of girls the same way. So not a male-female thing, a personality thing. So James gives us this generous statement that we don't know about tomorrow, right? But in all truth, we don't even know about today. Like, we don't even know what today will hold. We have our plans, but as flawed human beings, we lack even the knowledge about our lives in the present, let alone the future. And in that, the lie that we tell ourselves is that we have control. We don't need anybody else's help. We have plans. We have enough knowledge, and we know how to deal with tomorrow. Come on. All of us do this. All of us do this. Don't nudge your spouse. This is a bathroom light moment. It is a human condition issue. So the problem is we lack knowledge as humans. The lie is we have control. And it might be true that we are smart and creative human beings and that God made us very, very capable people. But he did not give us all of the knowledge and all of the wisdom. All of us are just one phone call away from our lives being ever different. Like, has anybody ever got that phone call? Yeah, you know the one I'm talking about. Like, I remember the day that I got the phone call. I went to work in the morning. It was a normal morning. We, in the office, and all was good, and our staff just got out of a meeting, and, it, and my phone rang, and it was my mother-in-law. 
And I thought, huh, that's weird because she doesn't call very often and she isn't going to call me during the day because she knows I'm working. So I answered it and I remember standing at the top of the stairs and she was crying. And I thought, oh my gosh, she never cries. Something's really, really, really bad, right? And her voice was quickened and shaky. And I bolted down the stairs and we sat in a little room in the hospital, all of us waiting for the news that changed everything in my family. My father-in-law had had a heart attack and there was nothing anybody could have done. And that moment changed my family forever. It changed it for my kids, for relationships in the future. It left such a, a hole in our hearts and our lives, and it was just one phone call. I had all the plans that day. I went to work. I had my day planned out, color-coded, and in control. And with all confidence, and yet it only took one phone call. Now, I don't tell that story so everybody walks out of here with some anxiety today. Um, but do you see that the lie that we tell ourselves has a foundation in arrogance? Like, we know it. We're in control. But it's arrogance planted by the enemy designed to separate us from God. Because the truth is, Proverbs 2.6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And even in earlier in James, it says, if anyone lacks wisdom, just come and ask for it and God will give it to you, right? So the truth, the truth is that God is all knowledgeable. And our wisdom comes from him. And God gives us knowledge and wisdom. But in order to receive it, we must go through him. So we lack knowledge. We have control. But the truth is, is God is all-knowledgeable. We lack wisdom, but we have access through it, through God, because God is all-knowledgeable. And we have to combat the lies that we have it all under control because we don't. And all of our tomorrows can be changed by outside factors outside of our control. We are but a mist, James said. We are but a mist, but God is all-knowledgeable. And knows every head on our head and every thought that we think and every word that we breathe. And he has all of the answers about our tomorrows and our todays. Has anybody ever bit off more than you could chew? Like story of my life, right? Uh, this has been one of my patterns in my life. Fake it till you make it. Ever heard of that? Yeah. <laughs> I'll figure it out as I go. So in culinary school, I went to culinary school here in town. Um, this was my life. Fake it till you make it. So my best friend, she made wonderful breads and cakes and pastries and cookies and could whip them up without any effort. And my cakes ended up looking like anthills at best, maybe, uh, with bright colored frosting. But I could make a soup or a sauce with my eyes closed. So we would swap. I would make her soup, and she would make my cakes, and we would swap and turn them in for our project. Yeah, like culinary school is weird. Um, and no one was the wiser. And in fact, we got so good at faking it until we made it that when our final grades came out, our instructor got us confused and switched our grades. 
So by the way, I can make a loaf of bread now. Maybe not as good as her, but I do make a decent challah. Uh, <laughs> but the truth, the truth is that God is all knowledgeable and he has never faked it till he made it. Right? He's never had to do that. The truth is wrapped in humility and true wisdom. God is our wisdom. He knows all that we can't. And the lie speaks to our pride. The truth speaks to true wisdom and humbleness. Okay, so the second problem that James points out to us comes right here. And it says, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow will go into this city, spend a year there, carry on business. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist. And instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. And such boasting is evil. So who's ever been to Chick-fil-A? That was a rhetorical question. Uh, If you've ever been to Chick-fil-A, you know that every person you come into contact with is instructed to respond with my pleasure, right? Thank you for my tea. My pleasure. Thank you for taking my monthly fun allowance. My pleasure. Basically, everything that you say thank you for, they respond with my pleasure. Now, you can imagine if we all went around saying, if the Lord wills, like, I think I'll go to church today. If the Lord wills, I'll go get some lunch today. If the Lord wills, I think I'll do laundry today. If the Lord wills, I'm going to go to work today. If the Lord wills. Right? I I, I don't think that James is actually saying that we have to do this. Like, I don't think he's saying that it's a sin if we don't answer everything with if the Lord wills. I mean, you can, but that's not where the sin is. No, he's really saying here is, hey, man, you've got some messed up priorities. You fit God into tiny spaces into your life, and you wonder why you lack knowledge. You don't make time for God's stuff, but you make plans to carry on your business. You make plans without even talking to your father about them. You haven't stood in the bathroom mirror and turned the light on. You haven't talked to your father and checked in with him about your plans. Instead, you just make your plans and put him in a box for later. We forget that we're all still children. We are just kids. And what happens when you are a child and you leave the house without telling your father or your parents? What happens when you make plans and you don't ask your parents first? Any teen in here ever done that? Yeah. It doesn't go well. Parents, we're supposed to have more wisdom than our kids, right? Like, that's why we're the parents, Our goal is to guide our kids and share knowledge and teach them. Yet we've forgotten that we are still children. Every one of us is a child of God. And yet, what do we do with our plans? How do we handle our day to day? So the problem is that we have messed up priorities. And we forget to include God in our plans. And the lie that we tell ourselves is we don't think we need God because our lives are in control. There's that control again. So our priorities are messed up, and we don't include God in our plans. 
And we don't need to include God because our lives are in control. We think we have control. We also think we don't need to be dependent on the Lord. We fool ourselves into believing this because when our lives are going well, we don't really need to consult him. We forget our devotions, our quiet time, our prayer time, our conversations with him, and we live in a lie. But the proof, the proof is that we don't have control is revealed when our lives fall apart, right? It's proof that we are dependent on God because where do we run when things go poorly? To our father. There's a saying that goes something like this. There are no atheists in a foxhole. Why? Because as soon as you get the call, you start talking to God. There's also a song out right now by Aaron Lewis, and it goes like this. Because whether you're a farmer in the field praying for the rain, or you curse him at the gravesite because he called a loved one's name, you can thank him, you can blame him, but either way, you're going to face him. Whether you believe in him or not, because in the end, everybody talks to God. James says, but what is our life? What is our life? We are only a mist or a vapor. And yet, in our arrogance, we live our lives apart from God, who holds all of the knowledge and all of the wisdom we need, who created us, who we will spend eternity with. But in this life, we go about our business and our work and our play without checking in with the one who has all the answers. Colossians 3, 1 through 4 says, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also will appear with him in glory. Did you catch that? Paul sent this letter to remind people that Jesus was superior over all of the rules that the Jews could construct. So today, this letter reminds us of the arrogance of our worldly ways and that in humility, we recognize and we honor God when we recognize his sovereignty in our lives. So our priorities are messed up. We don't include God in our plans. The lie we tell ourselves is that we don't need to, and the truth is, Christ is our life. The moment that you invited Jesus into your heart, Christ became your life. If you are a Christian and if you've said, Lord, I give you my life at any point, then we are to live a life that honors God by prioritizing him in our plans and our days. Our plans are not the sin, though. I want you to catch that. Plans are not the sin. The sin comes in our arrogance when we eliminate God. In fact, the Lord says that plans are good. Jeremiah 29, 11, right? Last year, we talked about Noah and how Noah had plans for almost 100 years. Joseph prepared for the famine. Jesus had plans for the cross. We are supposed to plan for tomorrow, but be present today. The problem and our arrogance comes when we plan for tomorrow and eliminate God today. Jesus was going to the cross. He was planning for the cross. But he was dependent on God every day. 
In humility, which is true wisdom, we make Christ our life. I want to give financially, I want to be financially generous because Christ is my life. I want to live a life well because Christ is my life. I want to love my kids well because Christ is my life. I want to spend my time here in this church, on this stage, in this staff well because Christ is my life. I have plans for a vacation with my kids in a couple weeks, and it's all about spending time together, right? But Matt Chandler pointed out something, and I think this really speaks to it. He says, when we make plans, it, why we make them matters. Because it's about realigning and celebrating the original discipleship group that God gave us, which is the family. Why we do the things that we do matter, because Christ is our life. When I go to work, I pull into the church parking lot, but that doesn't mean that I've talked to my father before I got here. Right? Okay, so problem number number three. We don't do what we know is right. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. Micah 6.8 says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and walk humbly with your God. We sin by not doing the good things that God asks us to do. We waste the gifts that God has given to us. We dishonor him when we choose not to trust him. With our finances, with our relationships, with our lives, with our plans, whether it's arrogance or pride or confidence or self-worth or self-loathing that keeps us from doing what God wants us to do, how he instructed us to live, it doesn't matter. The fact is the fact. Right? We don't do what we know is right. And the lie is, the lie that we tell ourselves is fill in the blank. I'm not good enough. Why would God use me? I'm nobody. I don't have time. I'm not sure God really spoke to me. I'm angry, and I'm going to let that person know that I'm angry. My plans are good, so they must be God's will. I need to buy a new car, and if I give my tithe, I can't do that. I know I shouldn't respond to this person, but I'm going to do it anyway. I know I shouldn't eat dessert first before dinner, but I'm going to do it anyway. No, that's not a real one. No matter the circumstance, we all have a lie we tell ourselves. Brene Brown says, what's the story you're telling yourself? The story we should be telling ourselves is that of Ephesians 4.6. 4.16, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit. And just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. We don't do what we know is right. The lie is you fill in the blank with your own. The truth is to live a life that honors God is to live the best life. Psalm 16, 11 says, you know, you make known 
to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Philippians 3.14 says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. A life that honors God is a life worth living. The ultimate prize is within all of our reach. It's filled with joy and pleasures through him. He is our reward, he is our prize, and he is our motivation. We aren't guaranteed tomorrow and we can't do anything about yesterday, but what we have in this moment, in this moment, God is present. And we get to choose what we do with that, right? All of us, all we can do is be present in this moment. We think we're in control of our bodies, but yet I can't even control when I have to go to the bathroom, right? I think I'm in control of my body, yet this week I went out and got the stomach flu. We are passengers in our own bodies. We don't get to choose that we're dependent on food. We can choose what we eat, but we don't get to choose whether we need food or not. We have a choice to make. Are you going to practice your faith? Will you celebrate your independence or your dependence? Will you humble yourself to receive true wisdom or will you harden yourself against the truth? Remember that the spirit convicts, the enemy condemns, and there is a very, very great big difference in these things. So I just want you to walk away with three things today. God is all knowledgeable and all wisdom comes from him. Christ is our life and the best life comes from a life that honors God. So before we worship, could I just pray for us and do that? Um, you know, in fact, if, if today you would say that I'm going to make a move towards God, I'm going to make a move in your relationship with God, would you just stand? Or if something stuck out to you today, or maybe you're just saying yes to being present in the moment, would you just stand with me and let's pray? God, we just thank you for the words of James. We thank you that you gave us this book in the Bible to flip on the bathroom mirror so that we can walk humbly with you and lay down our pride and our arrogance so that we can grow closer to you, Lord, and to know your heart better. God, I just pray for every one of us in this room today that we would not feel condemned, but we would feel convicted in areas that you would have us grow in. God, would you help us make Christ our life today? Would you help us to remember to include you in our plans, that you have all of the knowledge and all of the wisdom that we could ever need or want, and that you will give it to us freely. God, help us to remember that a life that honors you is a good, good life. And that even though choices are hard in our day-to-day, that you will be with us, you're present with us in this moment. And in this moment is all we have. We just thank you. We praise you. We have such a good God. Yeah. Thank you for being here today. I hope you go out and celebrate 
not only our independence, but also your dependence on God. If you need prayer before you leave today, some of us will be up here at the stage. Um, but everybody else, one, go out back and go have some fun at the patio party. We have a taco truck out there so you can get tacos. We're going to have ice cream and root beer floats and all sorts of fun things. Parents, you can pick up your kids in the courtyard today right after service. And, and just happy 4th of July. We're so glad you're here. And uh, if you're new today, make sure you go say hi to Bree and Alex over there in the Start Here corner. Or if you just want to get involved or have questions, they'll be able to help you out. Have a wonderful day. God bless. Hey, thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and share it with your friends. If you find this tool valuable and would like to support this ministry, you can do so easily through our DTV app or on our website, dtvchurch.org forward slash give. God bless you and have a great rest of your week.